What do you got here? Yo, you want to meet me on the floor? This is Best Friend by Sophie Tucker. You've heard this before, have I? I don't like. I'm sure you've heard it in commercials. Oh, okay. Yeah. Happy uh, Friday, everybody, and welcome to the Beat of Sports. I'm Mark Daniels. That's uh, Scott Harris uh, over there. How you feeling, Sparky? Horrible. Ah, come on. Everybody screws up. I know. Ah. You can feel bad for four more minutes. And okay. That's it. That's it. You got to put a cap on it, man. You know? You acknowledge. Made a scheduling mistake. I did, yeah. It happened, and uh, we move on. That's all. You know? <clears throat> you can't dwell on the negative all day long. It brings you down. Don't let it be an anchor. I know. I'm not. Soar above it. Oh, okay. Yes, that's what you need to do. Yeah. So, uh, anyway, welcome to the Friday edition of the Beat of Sport. Uh, what is that T-shirt? What do you think it is? It's a giant peach. No. It looks like it has a dinosaur on it. There are dinosaurs on it, yeah. What is it? Oh. I can't see it from here. It's a theme park podcast T-shirt? There was one? There is one? Okay. Yeah, you've never seen oh, the so lo- orange for the state of Florida. Well, yeah. yeah, I think you gave me a sticker or kitchen magnet or something. Yeah. Yeah, there's roller coasters. And... Oh, I can't see that from the lighting. There. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, that looks good on you. Thank you. All right. There you go. Welcome to Friday edition of Beat of Sports, everybody. Uh, we got a lot of stuff to get to between now and when the program ends. Yeah, is this a normal Friday show? Football? I forgot to ask yeah, you this. it's all normal. Everything's good. Um, I had Gus Malzahn on the bridge. Mike was off uh, today, but uh, spoke to Coach on the conference championship game last night on the weekly UCF radio show, which starts off with Gus. He mentioned about John Rice Plumley that he's practiced and he'll be ready to go. And then John Rice Plumley was our second guest uh, after Jason Johnson, the linebacker. And uh, JRP was, uh, one, he's great on air. And two, he's like, yep, ready to go. Great job with the training staff, practiced. And uh, so, so he's all set to go uh, in the football game tomorrow against uh, Tulane. Uh, we'll fly out in a couple of hours to New Orleans and kick off a set for 4 o'clock uh, tomorrow. So uh, the Gus interview will be posted at 96onthegame.com. If it's not up yet, it'll be up there in just a little bit, and you can hear it for uh, yourself. Um, World Cup. Knock, knock, Germany. Oh, my God. <laughs> huh? Huh? Okay. I know, I know I asked you that I've asked you this a couple of times with March Madnesses. Yeah. How it's like, oh, we're going to get some Cinderella stories and, you know, teams that we're not used to going further. Like, no one wants this in the World Cup, right? No one wants what? Like, the biggest. Like Mexico and Germany out? Exactly. Well, but hang on. There's, I mean, I mean, France, England, Spain, Argentina, they've advanced. I know, I know. Although Argentina better get used to packing soon because after we take care of the Netherlands, you're next. I mean, I would just what? like to, I would just like to point out of the four Concacaf teams that qualified for the World Cup, yeah, we're the only ones still in it. Yeah. Um, did you watch like the? Uh, oh yes, I did. The Japanese fans crying. As, yes. A, and what a moment! What I mean, what a moment! So yesterday at the World Cup was insane, and uh, we'll give you the schedule and the World Cup update a little bit later. But yes, despite a four-two win by Germany yesterday, they're out. Um. And when you're a power like that, when you lose your coach, goes immediately. Yes. I mean, like we ain't we ain't waiting for the bus back to the hotel 
It's like, no. no. But the thing is, remember, Tata Martino wasn't fired as the Mexican head coach. His yeah. contract just happened to end okay. when they were eliminated. Uh, anybody catch the slow motion video last night of a certain NFL quarterback that plays for the New England Patriots, Mac Jones, seen yelling at Matt Patricia, basically saying, "Stop running! Uh, keep passing the ball, stop running, because we can't bleeping run. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Last night, Bills went to 9-3. and three. They beat the Patriots 24-10. Uh, important road win for Buffalo, and the Patriots now in a... That's a tough spot at 6-6. Six and six. Uh, Not that they can make the playoffs, but home loss last night's a tough one for them. They're three games back of Buffalo, so forget about the division. Uh, and the wild card's going to get difficult as well. It's an interesting NFL weekend. Dolphins and the Niners, uh, that game will not be televised locally if you're looking for it. It will not be televised locally if you are looking for it. The local affiliate, <clears throat> in this case, because of how the game shifts, was Fox who has taken the Jaguar game. Mm, Gotcha. (sighs) Anyway, uh, what else is going on? Uh, That's about it. Yeah? Yeah. Good theme park podcast last night. Good spin class yesterday. Was it? Yeah. Was it? Yeah. I I bought my own shoes. My own spin shoes now. I'm glad you added that. When you mean I bought my own shoes, it's kind of like, hey, he's a teenager. He buys his own shoes now. His parents are not to buy shoes. He gets and buys his own shoes. Yeah. Yeah, no, I bought some spin shoes. Yeah. And on the bottom, like anyone that's uh, ever ridden like a oh, Only those that spin can relate to the following. Hey, your sideline guy is one of them. Go ahead. Uh, there's clips on the bottom of them. Uh-huh. It locks you into the bike. Yep. And so these are clips that I am not used to. Um, and... It was a nerve-wracking 45 minutes because I did not feel like I was completely locked into the bike. Mm. So immediately afterwards, I bought different clips that I'm used to, and they arrive an hour ago. Where are they? Well, they're not. They're they're, they're sitting on a doorstep right now. I just oh. have to install them onto my my cleats. They won't be there when you get back. I hope they are. Wow! I paid extra for the the fast a, shipping. So I had to go to the drive through the bank yesterday. Why? Why not? ATMs. I make a deposit. So I pull up, and this particular branch branch has one of those where the drive-in area is like two streets from where the bank is. Yeah. So, like, it's going underground. Which yeah. The whole concept of that is just, uh, you know, you're sitting there going, okay, I'm going to risk this deposit. So it goes underground somewhere. All right. So you put it in the little device, you press the button, and and it's off, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, Just like Augustus got sucked up in the chocolate machine, right? (laughs) So it goes off, and typically, Scott, what happens is, you know, someone comes out and goes, hey, how you doing today? I'll take care of this for you. Okay. I got a podcast I'm listening to. Mm -hmm. It was a good episode, wasn't it? A couple of the theme park podcasts. That's on the list to listen to. Just hadn't got it yet. A couple minutes goes by. I got nothing. I don't want to be the guy that presses the call button. You know? Mm-hmm. You don't want to be that guy. Although, Scott, there's only one other car in yeah. another lane. Well, that car leaves. Mm-hmm. Another car comes up. They come on, and someone says, hey, uh, I'll take care. I'm like, wait, I didn't get the I didn't get the hello yet. Yeah. I'm not going to push it. Maybe the person that's taking care of my transaction wants to do it rapidly that there's no hello. Uh-huh. 
no hello, no back and deposit in. The car next to me now has gone and left as well. Mm. Do I press the yes. call button or not press the call button? Yes. Or you just get in the other lane. So I press the call button. When that happens, what are you hoping to hear? Oh, sorry, how can I help you? Instead, I get the yes. Yes. Uh, yeah, I, I sent a deposit in. You did? Now I'm thinking, that's it. My check now is stuck. Gone. Forget about it. Never existed. Because it now requires a construction crew to come out and dig a hole yep. in the street. Yeah, and that <laughs> and that that amount of work is worth way more than your check. I said I I I, I you know, put a deposit. You did. Hang on. And then you know the screen goes dark again, and it, it's like they've left you. Mm-hmm. You know, like don't leave me. And thirty seconds, a minute, and the person comes back and goes. Hi, I'll take care of this for you right now. Okay, we're good, right? We have progress, right? Hopefully, yes. Wait, 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 wait. We're not done here. A minute later, another person comes on and says, I'm sorry for the delay. I'll take care of this right now for you. Mm-hmm. Now I want to know, like, what's going on? Yeah. Two minutes, three minutes. Now I'm there 10, 12 minutes here. Person comes back on and says, thank you so much. Okay, thank you. Now, we think it's coming back the tube here. Yeah. And we're waiting, and we're waiting, and we're waiting. And guess where it went? Other tube? To the other lane. Mm. So now, I, okay. I mean, you know what happens now, right? Mm. As soon as I back my car up. Somebody pops into that lane. So and they're going to get your stuff. And now I've got to say, wait, 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 wait. And the person thinks, one, am I attacking them? Yes. And I said, they made a mistake and so forth. The person in the car, I don't blame, is confused. Now, Scott. You're confused. Listen, the teller turns on the TV thing and goes, yes, that's his stuff. And and, and there's massive confusion. Now, there's two different cylinders Mm -hmm. in one lane, which I think is a banking violation. I don't think that's allowed. Not allowed. All that to make a deposit yesterday. Yeah. So that went down. It's okay. It's all good. It's all good. Uh, coming up on a program today, uh, J.C. Carnahan previews another high school football playoff action. We've still got a few local teams making run towards state championships, and he'll update us on what that has been like getting to where they are. Richard Hill, a sports law expert, joins us a little bit. Uh, Mike O'Donnell, Gary Paris will preview the UCF Tulane game, all that and so much more. Stick around. It's a Friday edition of the Beat of Sports. It's time to preview the night of high school football action across Central Florida with the Orlando Sentinels' J.C. Carnahan. Be sure to check out the Sentinels' coverage at orlandosentinel.com and click on the Varsity section. He's so big and important, J.C. Carnahan gets his own music playlist, and we're coming strong today as the playoffs head down the stretch. We'll run DMC and Aerosmith. That's how you walk this way, J.C. Oh, man, get the grooves going on right there, man. I love it. Uh, that, uh, you know, gets me, you know, gets the uh, pep in my step. Real quick, though, i got to give a shout-out. Tuesday is my son's 10th birthday. Uh, so happy birthday to him. I'm taking him to the Orlando Magic game on Monday night. 
uh, should be a good weekend for him. Well, happy birthday. That's awesome. Turning 10. That's fantastic. He's just a couple yeah, years man. younger than Scott Harris. That's a great. That's, that's <laughs> awesome. Catching up, though. All right. Uh, before we get to uh, the lineup tonight, I want to go back. Last week, we had some great football games spread out over the course of a couple of days. So let me run some uh, uh, scores by and give me a quick thought on uh, some of these. Apopka beats Lake Mary 30-23 last week. Yeah, Lake Mary actually led that game 14-9 to in the first quarter. Uh, a couple turnovers by Lake Mary, um, you know, that went to Popka's way. Popka turned those into points and uh, pulled away from Lake Mary. Lake Mary actually tried to rally in the fourth quarter, but uh, just not enough time left for him. Popka gets that win. And uh, can you believe this? Four years in a row, the state semifinals for Popka. That's also four years for Jeff Rolson as head coach uh, of the Blue Darters. Pretty impressive. And again, I mean, you build not just a program, you build a culture and a great uh, a group of fans, and uh, it's not just expectations. I mean, they, they, they love their football team. Were you surprised at the margin of win for Osceola going down to Vero Beach, who I know had a bunch of injuries, but 31-7, the Cowboys advance? Yeah, I think the injuries were the big factor, especially on the offensive side of the ball for Vero Beach. Um, and, the, you know, the thing, though, that, um, that worries me most uh, when it comes to Osceola is that they're still committing some, uh, some, you know, too many penalties and mistakes. Uh, of course, they found a way to win big, but it was a slow start to the game. Uh, it was a, you know, narrow lead, I believe, at halftime. And then they, you know, pulled away in the second half. But, um, you know, it really worries me because I did see them play against DeLand to start the playoffs. And, uh, they had a pretty sizable lead on DeLand and let DeLand come back into that game. So, uh, that worries me a little bit, but I wasn't really surprised that Osceola uh, pulled this one out because I knew that the injuries probably were going to be too much for Vero to overcome. How about a Coe's number on Eastlake? 43-19 last week. I think the most impressive part about that was, uh, you know, they, they, they went for, you know, they had a player go for over 200 yards rushing, a player go for over 200 yards receiving. Uh, Eastlake entered that game averaging 45 points per game. Uh, but the problem is, uh, this is where it comes back to the strength of schedule. Uh, you know, you know, you know. Basically, um, you know, it exposed East Lake uh, because uh, you know they you know not playing a tough schedule did not prepare East Lake for what they got into against Dakota. Um Lakeland beat Mineola and beat them pretty handily, forty-one to six. Yeah, and again, I mean, Lakeland's a, a nationally ranked team. They got a bunch of uh, uh, star recruits that. That uh, uh, joined the program uh, in the off season, and uh, look, I mean, that's a team that uh, you know that's that scored over 500 points and only allowed 90 points on the season uh, this year. So, um, you know, look, I told you last week this is going to be the toughest test that Lake Mineola was going to face, uh, and it showed on the field. Um... We waited until Saturday and uh, had a great matchup of two of the best uh, teams in our area. The margin of victory, though, had to really be eye-popping as Jones beat Edgewater 42-13. It was shocking, and, I, and, and, and I'm not saying it was shocking that Jones won it. It was shocking in the way that Jones won it, all right? Uh, six turnovers uh, in that game for Edgewater. And this game was played on a Saturday afternoon at, uh, you know, of course, 1 o'clock, and uh, Jones, Jones appeared ready for a game on Saturday. They, you know, it was their, their their second week in a row playing on a Saturday. Um, Edgewater just did not look like the Edgewater team that I expected them to look. And uh, Jones got it done um, pretty much in all phases. Special teams were great. Offense, defense, they were able to pass and rush, uh, you know, and, and, and just kind of do what they wanted. It was three drives, three straight drives in the second quarter 
uh, that uh, Jones scored on gave a 21 nothing lead and just really never looked back, man. So, uh, yeah, unbelievable. Now this is the third time in four years that Jones has been in the state semifinals now. All right, let's get to uh, the teams that we have in the air that are playing uh, football uh, tonight and uh, Class 4M. Uh, let's go number three, Apopka, uh, at number two, Wellington, Palm Beach Central, on the road for APK tonight, headed down south. Yeah, you know, and then look, uh, you know, this is going to be uh, Palm Beach Central, I don't think, has seen a team like Apopka, especially defensively. Um, and if if uh, if I look at these four games that that we have tonight, I would be surprised if a, if Apopka does not advance past uh, Palm Beach Central. Um, you know the the um, you know Apopka has really found their run game. I think uh, they're they've, they've rushed over 200 yards eight times this season, uh, including you know including all three playoff games. And uh, you know I think the defense is really going to be uh, what you want to look for in terms of Apopka because they're going up against a quarterback that's thrown for over 2,000 yards and 30 touchdowns. Um, and so if they can can you know put pressure on the QB uh, and, and, and and you know kind of keep the passes in front of them, I think that Apopka should be in good shape. Uh, it's an interesting matchup for Coe. Again, we just talked about the strength of schedule going down to Miami to take on a Columbus. And as I read your notes, it's a pretty stout defense. Columbus has given up three points and forced eight turnovers the last four weeks. Yeah, that's pretty, that's pretty impressive stuff. I mean, you look at, uh, you know, Columbus uh, entered the playoffs ranked number one in the uh, 4M classification. And uh, so, you know, look, as great of a, a, a postseason run as Coe has had, this is probably this is, you know this is the toughest challenge uh, uh, for for Akoi. and then you're going on the road uh, you know to a, to a top it off. But look, um, the balance that Akoi has on offense, um, you know, has been you know you know it, it's really been evident m- much more in this postseason that they can find a way to mix the run in the past like they've been doing in the playoffs. Uh, I think it you know gives them a, a fighting chance to stay in it. But you're right when you look at a team that's only given up three points the past four weeks, man. I mean, and, and then also forced eight turnovers uh, during that stretch. Uh, you know, look, I think the Cody's playing with house money at this point. There's nothing to lose. Put all the cards uh, in the middle of the table here if you are the Knights and uh, see how it plays out. Yeah, the lone loss for Columbus lost to Miami Central on the great program that came back uh, in October. I, again, if I'd have told you five years ago, that there could be a state championship game of a pop and a Koei, you would have said what? <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot of people are saying. You know, I actually had somebody ask me, uh, "How did the how 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 was the Koei in the state semifinals?" By the way, well, you know, there's a couple different reasons. Uh, the senior class that uh, Koei's had, we talked about it earlier in the season. Um, Coach Aaron Shepard just just raved and raved in the preseason about this senior class, and then it's not to be overlooked. They did get. Um, some key transfers that uh, came in, especially a quarterback, running back, wide receiver, uh, to kind of help put this team over the top. Um, and even more so, if Popka and Akoe both win tonight, uh, this sets up a state championship game that's a rematch from the very first game of the regular season where Popka had to rally in the fourth quarter and win uh, by just one point. Uh, so, you know, a lot of storylines there. And, and not only that, the uh, Akoe's running back actually transferred over from Popka. So, uh, man, you know, it's uh, you know, it's a lot to write about uh, if uh, that matchup happens. Yeah, and again, I, I, 
when the classifications were different and we had, you know, the eight A's and so forth, but any time that Orlando can claim large school over South Florida, you know, that's a big bragging rights thing. I mean, I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, but, but you know, that's always big bragging, right? Because people in Miami say if we just had a championship in Miami, we'd be better than everybody. Man, no doubt. If you're, if you're on social media, uh, you, you know, like, look, there's already been talk about, you know, Central Florida, South Florida, all of that. Uh, it's only going to heat up after these games tonight because the bragging rights, uh, which South Florida, you know, has, you know, always, always stays claim to, uh, the bragging rights will be, uh, spewed all over Twitter, uh, after this weekend. That's for sure. Uh, 10 o'clock hour, WYGM Orlando, WJRR HD2, Cocoa Beach, Orlando Sports Leader. Mark Daniels, Abita Sports, JC Carnahan, the Orlando Sentinel with us as we preview the night of high school football playoff action. All right. The 4S bracket, uh, again, you could sell this as a state championship game year after year, and Lakeland and Osceola will play tonight. Yeah, it's unbelievable. You know, when these teams played back in September, um, it was a you know, it, I mean, it was a very narrow game. Lakeland won it twenty-five to twenty-two, and that's after Osceola turned the ball over four times. Okay, so um, Osceola was right there with them uh, to only lose the game by three points and, and, and have so many turnovers. Um, but look, we're dealing with the Lakeland team. Um, that, uh, you know, that is staffed with talent. Uh, as I said, you know, the national ranking, Max Press has them, uh, ranked six, uh, number 16 nationally in the writer, in the uh, writer's pool there. Um, and to only hold opposing teams to 90 points, uh, you know, like what else can you really even say about that? Um, uh, but, but w- what I like about Osceola, um, in, you know, is what they do. The defensive line is so, so stout. John Walker, a defensive tackle. Um, you know, if, if they can just control uh, the trenches there um, and, and, you know, keep the game close, anything can happen. But Osceola, if we could just cut back on the, uh, the uh, mistakes, you know, the penalties and, 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 and things like that, I mean, that's what's going to keep them uh, in the football game. And these two teams were former district rivals uh, for a long time, and, they, and, um, and, and the old playoff format meant that they would meet up in the playoffs quite, a, uh, quite often in the second round. Uh, Lakeland won five of the eight playoff matchups from 2002 to, to uh, 2014 between the teams. Um, so there's a lot of history between these uh, programs. And, uh, you know, when you look at the quote-unquote suburban um, uh, teams that are still alive, uh, Volusia County, you've got Mainland, Brevard, you've got Cocoa, Osceola High, and, and, and in Polk County, it's Lakeland. Uh, you know, the marquee programs in those counties are still slugging it out there in the uh, suburban classifications, man. So, uh, this should be another great one. Uh, you know, if, if if it wasn't for the game that I'm going to tonight here in Orlando, this is the game I would certainly be, uh, you know, be covering. Class 3M Homestead brings an 11-2 and record against Jones, who's 11-2. and uh, I know a little bit about Homestead. It, it, there is no short drive for Homestead to play a football game, and they play a ton of those Miami schools. And they play a really good schedule. They lost to Columbus and Southridge, which is no shame there. So um, I know Jones should be favored at home, uh, but Homestead's a good program, makes a long trip up here to take on Jones. Yeah, and then, you know, you look at uh, this is, uh, you know, it, 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 it's been decades since uh, Homestead has played in a, uh, semifinal, in a semifinal round. Um, so, you know, obviously it's a lot for the, you know, the program down there to be, uh, you know, fired up about and, and you know, ready to, you know, uh, come out swinging. But, you know, this is the first Friday night that, uh, you know, Jones gets to play, uh, you know, a, a football game because uh, the first playoff game was a Saturday night game and then they had a 10 o'clock in the morning Saturday game and then a, a Saturday afternoon game. So uh, finally trying to get things back to normal uh, at uh, Jones High uh, tonight. Um, you, you know, look. 
I, you know, I talked about what they did to, to Edgewater. They've been they've been able to, to balance the offense much more than they've been able to do early in the year. When I talked to Elijah Williams after Saturday's game, you know, he talked about I, I asked him about how the team's gotten better throughout the year. And he said, "Look, you know, the good programs that's what they do. They get better throughout the season because um, you know if if we didn't get better, then I'm not doing my job. And part of the getting better part of it was." Uh, moving uh, uh, defensive back Chris Tooley to quarterback. He played quarterback at Oak Ridge the past two seasons, and he's been all the difference in terms of uh, being poised in the pocket, not rushing things, um, uh, you, know, you, know, you know, scrambling and taking off, uh, you know, for, for runs when he needs to. Um, he's, got, he's got over 1,000 yards passing, 12 touchdowns, only one interception uh, in just five games as the starting quarterback. Um, and he's, he's been all the difference from my point of view in terms of uh, them just improving on offense. Now, defensively, I mean, you, you know, of course, you, you can see from what they did to uh, Edgewater last week just how good that they are playing. Um, Homestead averages uh, just 10 points against this season, and uh, they've won their, their region playoff games, the three games in the playoffs, by a combined 108 to 25 score. So no slouches for um, Homestead. I think that, uh, you, know, you know, the interesting point, point of this is the winner of this game goes on to play either St. Thomas Aquinas or Tampa Jesuit. Both of those teams won state titles just, just one year ago. So, um, you know, a lot to play for tonight and a lot to look forward to uh, next, or, you know, in the uh, coming weeks as well. I would love to see Jones get the chance to challenge St. Thomas, who is a typical St. Thomas team. So, yeah. Mark, Mark, that, Mark, that's the conversation that I'm talking about on social media. Yeah. Where, um, you know, like people are talking about, hey, you know, I think Jones wins, but they, but there's no way that Jones can play with, uh, you know, uh, St. Thomas. I mean, that's that's literally what's uh, being talked about on uh, on uh, social media. So, and 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 to go back, if if Apopka wins and Akoi does not pull it out, it's actually a state final rematch from 2019 when Apopka was actually winning that game handily until the fourth quarter. Columbus came back, uh, scored two touchdowns in the fourth. Ended up, uh, uh, you know, pulling that one out, and it, it was a shocking finish to that game. That game was played over in, uh, in, in, in at uh, Daytona Stadium. So, um, yeah, there's a lot to look forward to, not just tonight, but uh, how these state championship games might look in the weeks ahead. I think I asked you before I'll end on this, but I'm sure you've heard feedback. Um, we wondered how this format was going to play itself out. What seems to be common are people like, you know, I, I need another year or two of this to get a feel for this, or I don't like it. What, what, what's the feedback here of coaches? It's still, it, you know, it's still, you know, as the season went on, and especially getting into the playoffs, um, you know, most of the focus has, been, has just been on, hey, let me, you know, let's try to get through this. But, but I think that, um, you know, this format is not universally, um, you know, liked by the majority of coaches I've talked to, but then again, I've talked to mostly uh, Metro coaches. Um, but, you know, I did talk to one Metro coach who said, hey, look, the old format, maybe my team doesn't get into the playoffs uh, this year. Uh, but, you know, you know, because they were an eight seed, and they said, hey, but, you know, my kids, there's a, you know, a lot for them to be uh, happy about to, you know, of course, get a chance to to uh, to advance and, and so forth. But, you know, it's, it, you know, it's going to come down to – FHSA level, they're putting together a committee that is going to um, really focus on the classifications for all sports and to figure out the best way to, you know, to, to uh, separate teams and, 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 and to form classifications for, as you're looking ahead to the future. Um, so I don't know if this is going to be a one-and-done idea or if we're going to try and you know, stick this out for 
you know, for much, you know, for for many more years to come. Um, but I don't think most people in the metro areas, uh, you know, dig it too well. Um, I would like to see something that's a little more. Uh, but, but then on the flip side, there are people who are like, oh, this is great because there are new matchups and, and 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 you know, new teams are getting involved and 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 all that kind of stuff. But still, the, it doesn't solve the problem. The best teams, the top teams, Lakeland, Osceola. Coco, as I mentioned, in those suburban counties are still going to run things because they can get just as many transfers as any of the private schools can. And the private school, uh, you know, situation, it, that's a whole other issue, and that's probably the bigger problem if you want to, you know, really be honest about it. J.C. Carney, and he's on Twitter at J.C. Carnes, ending with a Z. Uh, follow him, follow OS Varsity on Twitter for all the updates tonight. we got local teams battling for a chance to get to a state championship game. Enjoy the night. Appreciate it. Uh, J.C. Carnahan of the Sentinel uh, previewing the night of high school football playoff action. Tomorrow, UCF and Tulane play for the American Championship. Our coverage begins at 2 o'clock. Kickoff is set for 4 o'clock from Yulman Stadium in New Orleans. We're back with Richard Hill, our sports law expert, next. Time for this week's sports law segment. Brought to you by Hale, Hale, and Jacobson. Find them online at hhjlegal.com. That's hhjlegal.com. Richard Hales, our sports law expert, Hale, Hale, and Jacobson, the firm, online at hhjlegal.com. Good morning, Richard. How are you? Good morning, Mark. How are you, buddy? I'm doing fine. Thank you. Um, so, Michigan State football players have been charged from the now-famous tunnel incident uh, with Michigan. Um, what's next for these players? Yeah, so, again, such an unfortunate event. This was... Uh, Really, something that uh, you know. Um, when you take a look at the video, it's a little hard to stomach. Uh, you have Michigan State and Michigan entering uh, the same tunnel uh, after the game, and as we've talked about before, um, there's a, a group of Michigan State players that seem to be attacking a Michigan player. One of them, you can see, takes his helmet off and strikes the player repeatedly. Uh, and um, there were a number of charges that have now been brought. The most serious is, is felony assault for the player that was beating with the helmet, uh, and then another uh, a number of other players for lesser assault charges, um, certainly not rising to the level of felony uh, that they're going to have to deal with. Um, already been some statements made by the lawyers of some of these players saying, you know, we don't know the full story. There's more than just what was on the video and, and us having to figure out, you know, what that looks like. Uh, and so to answer your question, the next phase will be a trial. Uh, and if this case ever gets to a trial, there may be an opportunity beforehand for some type of negotiated plea agreement. Um, if they cannot negotiate some type of plea agreement, which would be for a lesser sentence, uh, then the case will go to trial. If it goes to trial, um, there will be evidence that comes out, not only the evidence that we've seen in terms of videos, but maybe some other surveillance video that existed, or um, maybe there were some uh, people that taped this on their phone that have some evidence to provide. That will all come out in court, and then a jury will decide the fate of uh, the accused and see if there's something there. I would imagine that it doesn't get that far. I would imagine that there is some plea agreement that is reached, especially um, the player that you know took his helmet off and was beating the other player. I think that one's a pretty clear case. So I would imagine that there's some negotiated plea agreement uh, and then you know some sentence that will follow. Um, 
Interesting story in college baseball that I've wanted for years. But first, uh, as I remind people, in college baseball, when you watch, those are teams that do not have a scholarship for every single player. They divvy up scholarships, and uh, it's amazing how they do that. But there's also been this argument over years about an additional assistant coach. They claim as a volunteer coach and therefore does not get paid. Um, while football is allowed to just add endless number of analysts and whatever we call them, baseball is limited. Uh, now we've got a lawsuit. A uh, volunteer baseball coach and coaches have filed a suit against the NCAA. Uh, does this have any chance of succeeding? Yeah, really like this lawsuit. Really excited about this story. Uh, have uh, uh, family members that. Uh, participate in in the coaching profession at the at the college level and uh, they certainly have their eye on this one it, it's really a perfect storm of events that led to this lawsuit and so just to give a little bit of the backstory uh, yes you are correct this has been largely an unpaid position these these are volunteers the NCAA has um, labeled them as such and has prohibited them from being paid uh, so other than the exception of you know a head coach and and a few assistants Anybody else that's part of the staff has been at this kind of volunteer level, uh, and it's an unpaid position. Now, the criteria for bringing a lawsuit like this is you must have a very narrow field of, uh, uh, of people seeking to, to bring an antitrust claim. We certainly have that here. Obviously, there aren't a ton of programs out there, but there, um, those programs, the, the coaches that are volunteers, qualified as being kind of this narrow set or narrow group of people, if you will, that can bring a, a lawsuit like this. And, th- and then you have to be able to find an organization like the NCAA that does not enjoy antitrust exemption. And we've seen the evolution of that over the years. It used to be that NCAA was privileged and that they, they could not be sued in an antitrust environment. That landscape has now changed over the course of time through the evolution of the lawsuits that bring us to present day where the NCAA does not enjoy antitrust exemption. So what we have here is kind of, like I said, a perfect storm of the NCAA evolving into uh, an entity that no longer enjoys that exemption, and we have a very narrow set of uh, individuals here, these coaches, who can bring this lawsuit. Uh, so for that reason, it does have some legs. For that reason, I can see some changes being made. Um, you know, certainly hats off to these guys and, and hope for the best moving forward. Some may remember the viral video that went out uh, with a Rangers-Tampa Bay Lightning game at Madison Square Garden where uh, somebody came up and basically sucker-punched someone. A uh, person gets knocked out cold, and then as that person who threw the punch tries to run away, they strike somebody else. Well, that somebody else now is suing the sucker puncher and Madison Square Garden in the latest lawsuit from that sucker punch. What do you make of this? Yeah, it reads a little bit like a law exam because <laughs> you're, you're covering so many topics here. Let's talk about two things. First, the criminal side of this. Keep in mind, this man was charged criminally and uh, was punished accordingly. Um, by the criminal courts, and then kind of turn that page to the civil side of this suit, where somebody is suing him for money damages that they incurred as a result. So this was uh, uh, someone that that came to the to the aid or was coming to the aid of the fan who was struck, and then trying to stop this individual who sucker punched the guy from leaving the arena, only to be assaulted and attacked by this individual as as he was trying to leave the arena. So um, 
this individual has now brought charges, uh, and uh, those charges are in the civil court seeking money damages. Um, the, the interesting aspect of this case, I guess, is yes, you can go after the person that assaulted you, but that person probably has somewhat limited means unless they're you know, a, a Hilton or something sitting on a, a pile of money. There, There's just not a lot to go after there. Most people don't have a ton of cash sitting around that you can go after. Um, so you want to bring in a deeper pocket, and that deeper pocket here is Madison Square Garden. And the allegations are that Madison Square Garden didn't have the um, appropriate amount of security or available security or convenient security in place to uh, provide safety for this individual. Obviously, you know, the, the sucker punch happens. Maybe it's something you can do about that, but certainly after the sucker punch happens, that this individual just kept going, uh, was not stopped, was not detained, was able to continue to move about inside Madison Square Garden without anybody stopping him, that's a problem. Uh, it does suggest a lack of security. It suggests that they, they weren't readily available, uh, and, and that's a problem for Madison Square Garden, either um, because there weren't enough people on board or, the, or the, the people that they did have didn't respond accordingly. So that's the nature of the suit. Obviously, Madison Square Garden has much deeper pockets than the individual that did the striking, and so you look to them um, to try to to uh, secure some recovery in this case. Um, Lob will go into the discovery phase because here we'll be talking about what is the reasonable standard for adequate security. You know, how many officers does that uh, require? Uh, what is their response time? You know, why wasn't the response time here any sooner? And could have could something have been done? in this instance to make sure that this doesn't happen or, or didn't happen at the time and doesn't happen again in the future. One follow-up to a story we did a couple of months ago, and fans may remember, uh, Nick Arios is playing uh, Novak Djokovic at Wimbledon. Uh, Djokovic wins uh, the final. They may remember there's a moment in there when Kyrgios, uh is commenting about a woman that he then claims is drunk and out of control and bothering him, makes a big deal about it. Uh, the video goes viral. Uh, the woman she says is embarrassed and has been humiliated and files a suit against uh, Garios. And uh, in the end, I guess there is a settlement as he has made a donation to the charity of her choice. So uh, there is a conclusion uh, to this. What you make of uh, the apology and Nick uh, donating money to a charity? <laughs> well, again, you know, we live in a litigious world these days and none of these come as any surprise. Um, I've this was the result that she asked for, and and so I, I guess Nikiros found it in his best interest, uh, probably best financial interest, to go ahead and not incur additional legal fees associated with defending something like this. Uh, he did say what he said at uh, at Wimbledon. It was in the final. I, again, this is probably a situation where um, the woman did have a little too much to drink, whether she wanted to admit it or not. Um, why she felt it, it was her uh, role at that point to engage Krios like this, um, whether or not she was being belligerent, uh, you know, who, whose story do you believe here? We've seen this, right? We've seen this time and again of fans kind of putting themselves in the middle of the action. I think it's unfortunate because I think what's going to happen is we're going to see less and less personality out of out of our athletes. We're, we're going to see less and less of them. Uh, making themselves uh, available to us, opening up 
to us because of, of incidents just like this. Um, but I, I would imagine in the end, Nick Kyrgios made a business decision, which was I, I don't want to continue to incur legal fees. Uh, I'll pay the money to charity. I'll give her the apology she was looking for, and I'll move on. Uh, there was a little press conference where he addressed it, and that seemed to be his approach. So um, I would think that had something to do with that unfortunate incident again. Uh, but uh, with Nick Kyrgios, you, you never know. Uh, he's mm-hmm. an exciting guy to watch for a number of reasons, including the uh, off-the-court stuff. So. We'll keep our eye on him and uh, and see what happens next. Thank you, Richard. Have an awesome weekend. I appreciate it. Same to you, Mark. Travel safely this weekend, bud. Thank you, man. Uh, Mike O'Donnell is going to talk some basketball. Step Back 3 is next. Time now for Step Back 3 with M.O.D. on the beat of sports. No, I don't have street credit. The guys around me have street credit. Time to talk some basketball with Mike O'Donnell, our Step Back 3 basketball uh, segment, which we do on Fridays at this time. At some point, we'll get to uh, Mike, because uh, Scott and Mike like to have their own little show. So, you know, whenever you guys are done. You guys ready? You good? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We're, we actually were talking sports the whole time. We were, talk, we're, we were talking hoops. Yeah. Yeah, we were. We were talking college hoops. It, it, it was pretty interesting. At the, end, at the end of the segment, Mike O'Donnell will let you know, is he a aisle window guy in a plane, and the two things that annoy him the most about on a plane sitting in that particular seat. That's to come at the end of our segment. Um, can you start here and explain, I have an appreciation for this, uh, what it means that Houston is the number one ranked team in college basketball. This is not the five slam jamma days uh, of that great basketball team. It's a compliment to Kelvin Sampson and what he's built as they, like UCF, will head to the Big 12 next year. Uh, but Mike, it is incredible to think that Houston, non-Power 5, could be ranked number one. That, Of course, Gonzaga's had that opportunity before, but it's a big deal for Houston to be number one, isn't it? It's a huge deal. Uh, uh, the city of Houston, the university, uh, for college basketball, I think, it's, I think what Kelvin Sampson has done there has been uh, nothing short of incredible. Um, the, one of the reasons why Houston is number one... I, 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 I think there are two reasons. Is the first reason is the consistency in the last five years of not just getting the NCAA tournament, being in the top 25, but advancing every year in the NCAA tournament and advancing beyond the second uh, uh, the second weekend and beyond the third weekend consistently. And uh, that's number one is the respect for the program. Number two is if you polled, I think every coach in the country and ask them who their most feared opponent would be. If they looked at the top 25 and said, which team would you hate to play against that you're most afraid to play against? I'm willing to bet that the majority would say Houston. And I say that is perpendicular is the average college basketball fan, not just sports fan, but the average college basketball fan could maybe name one player on Houston, maybe one. I, I had an opportunity to call a St. Joe's game a week and a half ago, and St. Joe's lost to Houston earlier in the season, a few weeks ago, by about 30. And St. Joe's is not, uh, if they're not a bad basketball team, they're a middle-of-the-pack Atlantic 10 team. So it's, a, it's, it's a pretty good team, and they, they make a ton of threes, and, and they're really free-flowing on offense, and they're fun to watch. And their head coach is a coach, a coach under Jay Wright, and he coached in the NBA. He's really an interesting guy. And I asked him, I said, hey, look, I'm not trying to bring up old wounds or anything, but I said, what do, you, 
what was that experience like playing against that Houston team? And he leaned back in his chair, and he took a little pause, and he said, you know, it's uncommon how hard they play. It was virtually impossible for me to explain that to my players before the game. It absolutely was impossible to mirror that in practice. And then during the game, when we got down 18 and we were in a timeout, it was impossible for me to explain to them that they it's not even about execution. It's they aren't even playing close to half as hard as Houston was playing. I thought the word uncommon was really interesting. I never heard that. You don't hear that word used in basketball very much, and I think it's a very profound way of explaining Houston's culture and how hard they play. It's really uncommon, and they've earned the respect to get the number one ranking. And, and I, I don't think there's a team in the country that says, I just, I just don't want to – I don't want to prep for that. I do not want to prep for that. For those two reasons, that's why Houston's number one. The opposite end, and it's not embarrassing because of who they play. North Carolina's number one. Uh, they're cruising their 5-0. and They lose to a talented Iowa State team, then lose a great game against Alabama, 103-101. And then after being out in Portland at the Phil Knight events out there, then you finish it off with a road game at Indiana that you kind of wondered, man, from a scheduling standpoint, what were you stepping into? Mike Woodson's done a good job, whatever people thought of that higher. And all of a sudden, Carolina's 5-3. and three and may become the first team in poll history to be number one and out two weeks later. Yeah, uh, uh, North Carolina, to me, is still a top 25 team. I understand that they might get bumped out of the rankings, uh, top 25 rankings. It's bizarre when you, you have that kind of preseason expectations and you don't live up to that. We've seen it in some circumstances. You know, some Kentucky teams have done that in the past. Uh, but North Carolina is not a bad basketball team. I understand why people want to completely freak out right you lose to uh, you lose to indiana you lost uh, uh, lost alabama you lost to iowa state you're on this three-game losing streak and iowa state's a pretty good team alabama's a very good team in the sec and indiana mark if you could make a case that indiana's a top five team in the country right now the way that they're playing but north carolina is going to be fine they have uh they have an absurd amount of talent they're extremely deep caleb love is one of the best combo guards in the country. Baycott's one of the best power forwards in the country. And they got, you know, uh, they have a ton of quote unquote role players, Leaky Black, Pete Nance, that are, that would start and, and be top two rotation guys uh, at any other team in the country. They're going to be fine. Uh, I'm not really interested in pressing the panic button on North Carolina, considering the fact that North Carolina was dead in the water last year for what marked 90% of the season before they eventually uh, uh, turned the corner in a massive way and went on that huge NCAA tournament run, I think they're going to be fine. Indiana basketball is, I don't really know if I can say back because we need to see it more consistently, but they have put up uh, uh, just, just a monster first quarter of the season. as when they beat, you know, their first big test was against Xavier. They beat them by two. And then they beat North Carolina pretty soundly. They're they're playing in a way that uh, is making Indiana basketball big for the first time in a long time. There's a ton of talent. Mike Woodson's done a phenomenal job recruiting. I think he's done a fantastic job uh, uh, orchestrating this offensive defense. And you know Jackson Davis, Grace Jackson Davis, he's 
going to be a first-round draft pick. And they're really, really fun to watch right now. Hang on a second, Mike. we got to uh, reconnect with the, our, our phone system, which we are working on to fix a little bit of a uh, mis- uh, a little bit of a confusion as to the line there, but uh, we're going to get Mike back on and continue. Yeah, Indiana's seven and zero, and a lot of people don't like the Mike Woodson higher in college basketball, and uh, he's got himself a really nice basketball team and uh, off to a really really uh, good start. Uh, we're chatting with Mike O'Donnell, who's back. Um, okay, as good as Indiana may be, who had a better week than Purdue? Mike, they put eighty on Bob Huggins' team, which is hard to do. Uh, then they beat Gonzaga by 18, beat Duke by 19, and then again, after being out in Portland, come down to Tallahassee. I don't know if Florida State Seminoles are struggling, but uh, beat them by 10. What a better week than Purdue. They are, uh, they're probably, they're in my opinion, the second at the worst third best team in the country. They have surrounded shooters and uh, really high IQ players around a player named Zach Eady. Uh, who is one of the tallest players in college basketball. He's also one of the most efficient players in college basketball, averaging 22 a game and 11 rebounds. He, uh, Edie is just, right now, I, I think there's a, there are a lot of players, individual players, that are better basketball players than Zach Edie. Seven foot four junior. But if you, I, you could make a case, and I think most people can make the case that He's the National Player of the Year candidate right now because he's the leading scorer, he's averaging a double-double, he's a shot-blocking machine, and he just affects the game in so many levels. He's got, he has the gravity of a, of a black hole at the center of a galaxy, right? In terms of defensively, every single team is terrified to give him a dunk or a layup. Uh, or foul against Zach Eady. And, and they're even more terrified of it because he's become a good passer and a willing passer. And Purdue's got two or three guys in the perimeter that are knockdown three-point shooters. Purdue is a legitimate, an absolute legitimate national title, title contender. And uh, as of right now, early season sample, you're taking a team and putting way big predictions on the team. This is. I'm going to be shocked if Purdue isn't in the Final Four. I don't know how you scout for them and try to slow them down offensively. It's impossible to prepare for the Boilermakers right now. Uh, Virginia lost 14 games last year, uh, which is high for Tony Bennett. Uh, they're 6-0 and and ranked number three. Are they that good? Yeah, they're really good, right? We know about their defense, and this is Tony Bennett being uh, just an exceptional coach. Uh, they've got some monster wins, Mark. I mean, they beat Baylor, uh, and and they really kind of handled that game uh, pretty well. They they handled Illinois late in the uh, late in the second half, one by nine. Illinois is a top twenty team in the country, and they just beat a very talented Michigan team. They have some fantastic pieces. Kehi Clark is one of the best pure point guards in the country. Uh, right, you know that he's averages five, five assists a game. Jaden Gardner is might be the best role player in the ACC, and I say that kind of coyly uh, because Jay Gardner, if you're Jaden Gardner, remember him at East Carolina, he was almost impossible to stop in the American Conference. I mean, the, the guy that their sixth man is Ben Vanderplas. Vanderplas will probably win the sixth man of the year in the ACC, and Vanderplas. Uh, uh, was uh, was part of that Ohio team that knocked off Virginia 
uh, to advance uh, uh, in the NCAA tournament just, you know, the last year. Uh, so they're really, uh, they're, they're extremely talented. And, yeah, I, I think the hype is real. They're, they're a top-five team. They're, they're in my top five unquestionably right now. Um, one local uh, question. Uh, UCF lost by two to Miami, played a decent basketball game, had a lead, then rallied from 13 down, had a chance at the end, uh, missed a free throw, which could have led to two free throws to tie the game. Uh, what should UCF take out of that game? Uh, well, Miami's really good. Miami will probably be in the NCAA tournament, but UCF right now looks like a, uh, a team on the potential right in the middle of the bubble when you're talking NCAA tournament caliber teams. The first thing they need to, uh, that I think from fans need to understand is UCF is actually going to have to go through a little bit of a learning curve, a curve adjustment period. Remember, Darius Johnson is back after being out for two weeks. And you had a system in place that got you wins over Florida State, Santa Clara, very good team out of the uh, West Coast Conference, and Oklahoma State. And you win the Baja Mar without Darius Johnson, who's the second or third best point guard in the American Conference. But Darius Johnson is, it, it can be a ball heavy point guard. It's not a bad thing. That's just, he's an exceptionally good point guard. And I think offensively, I think defensively, they're they're fine. they're more than fine. Defensively, they're still top twenty-five, top thirty in the country analytically. But offensively, I think there's enough unselfishness to figure it out. Particularly Daryl Hendricks, I thought was even too unselfish against that Miami team. But I think there's going to be players who are going to have to figure out how to play with Darius Johnson again, and I think they will because they they Jalen Young. Uh, 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 Ithiel Horton, C.J. Kelly, they all figured out their new role with Darius Johnson out very quickly. It, it, it's very impressive, and it's a lot easier to coach with Johnny Dawkins. They're going to figure this out, but they're going to be playing a little bit differently offensively. I think you'll see way more ball screen action with Darius Johnson on the floor. So just a little bit of a learning curve for this next week, two or three games. Two good games coming up for UCF to do that, to learn against good mid-major teams in Sanford on Sunday. And, and Tarleton uh, out of the whack. Uh, so don't be dismayed. I think right now, from a national perspective, UCF is overachieving. I think Coach Johnny Dawkins is, is, is outcoaching a lot of teams and has his team prepared. This is, a, uh, this is a team that is going to be in the bubble conversation for an NCAA tournament day. Isle, window, and two things that are important to Mike O'Donnell when taking one of those seats. Okay, so first, I'm an aisle. Uh, uh, nobody likes the middle. Uh, you've got to avoid the middle at all costs. I'm not a big aisle guy. I just feel a little, uh, excuse me, I'm not a big window guy. I just feel a little bit too cramped. I, I like to, uh, I've got bad knees. I like to stretch the knees at five foot eleven, considering how tall I am, you know. And I, uh, I also like to survey the situation. I want to be ready to go. You know, I, I'm the guy who, I need to understand what's going on um, in, in case of emergency. I need to be ready to go. I'm ready to step up. I don't want to be stuck in the middle. I don't want to be stuck in uh, uh, by a window. Uh, i got to be ready to move and move quick. So I'm a big aisle guy. Obviously, the first is uh, I try to get to my seat as early as I possibly can and establish armrest dominance, um, at least the positioning. Now, I'm not... Uh, I'm not overbearing with the armrest, hmm. um, uh, you know, but I'd like to establish a position. I don't mind sharing the armrest. Hmm. I just don't like, I can't stand the person 
who goes aggressively for the entire armrest, right? That That's the worst. Right. I'll establish a position. I usually like to go back instead of forward. I'll take the back part of the armrest. And then secondly is individuals. This is, uh, is a very common thing. Individuals that are seated behind you that will get up and move past you mm. as when the plane is parked yeah. and everybody's trying to get off and they just get up and try to move past you. This got to be, you got to go aisle by aisle. It's the only way. People, I understand if you're late, you got to catch a flight like maybe, but those of you that are just sitting behind me that are just trying to get off the plane to get off the plane, you don't wait your turn. I got a problem with you. Row protocol, I think, is very important. I'm, I'm with you on that. Yeah, can't stand yeah. the guy that feels like he's got to get five rows up because he's got to get somewhere that I don't have to get to. And, and uh, no question. Yeah, no question about it. yeah. Mike, have a great weekend. Thank you. Appreciate it. You got it. Thanks, Mark. Mike O'Donnell with a little bit of basketball talk. Step back three. Time of the World Cup update. Bro- Let's really do the news. Yes. Now it is time to do the news. But now it's time uh, for the news. 11 o'clock hour, WYGM, Orlando, WJRR, HD2, Cocoa Beach, Orlando Sports Leader, Mark Daniels, the beat of sports. What's going on, everyone? I met a news head yesterday. Did you really? I did. And? He might be listening right now. Good. Lives in Maitland. Yeah. Uh, Texas show. Yes. And uh, brought uh, uh, two of his sons to also uh, news heads. the UCF uh, show last night and... Uh, they got a couple autographs of Gus Miles on, and wanted me to sign something. I, you mm-hmm. know, I, what name did you put? It's something that looks like letters that could be connected to my name. <laughs> but uh, no, came up and said hi, big fan of the show, and you know wanted to say hi to you. Oh, yeah. did you tell them I said hi? Yeah, you know. But news head. News head, yeah. Let's yeah. go. So, huh? There you go. There we go. Yeah. I'm Scott Harris. That's Mark Daniels. We will run through the top stories in the sports world. And, uh, Mark, uh, big F1 news. Uh, go. Formula One has canceled oh, the 2023 that, yeah. Yeah. Chinese Grand Prix as a result of the country's strict COVID policies. Mark, let's get Buddy on the phone with F1. Oh, a Ford stop next year. <laughs> Grand Prix of, of the City Beautiful? Let's go. Yeah, on the brick streets downtown. I'm not, I didn't say the brick streets, but I said let's figure it out. We spent all this money on I-4. Yeah, okay. Why, Mark, what's not to like? I'll, I'll I'll send a text. Yeah. You want to send a text? Sure. Let's get it done. Yeah. Where where would you where would you want to put it? <laughs> International Drive. Uh, let's see. That's a pretty good one. I-4 East-West. I mean, I guess you could do it around Disney. You could probably come with a track pretty quick. I bet they used to run races. Well, I mean, there was a track we know there. What but happened before. Yeah, right. This is true. You talked about it on uh, when you were on the theme park podcast. The Castleberry Grand Prix. <laughs> the Howie in the Hills. Right down 436. Josh Allen threw two touchdown passes, and the Buffalo Bills beat the New England Patriots 24-10 to on Thursday night for their first AFC East win of the season. Devin Singletary had a one-yard touchdown run to help the Bills win their third straight and take a half-game lead in the division over Miami. Buffalo had been 0-2 against division foes. Josh Allen also became the first player in NFL history with three seasons of 25 passing touchdowns and five rushing scores. Bills 9-3 and three puts pressure on Miami for their big game at San Francisco uh, this weekend. Uh, and tough loss for the Pats in the wildcard race now at 6-6. Six six. Uh, do we think Al enjoyed calling this game? 
Uh, yeah, I was probably in a better mood. I actually didn't watch much of this. By the time I got home last night and started putting stuff together, I, I, I was watching a little bit, but didn't watch much of it. But I, I'm guessing, you know, Al probably at a better time. You, you Even up, better if he laid the, you know, points the bills. You ended up watching, like, Conan the Destroyer no, or no, something, no, no, didn't no, you? No, 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 I ended up watching, um, what was I, uh, I watched, oh, I watched NBA basketball a lot, and then, uh, some college hoops, and then, uh, what was I watching? Oh, I watched, uh, I finished up episode four and started five of White Lotus, and I'm not done with five yet. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, trailer drop, what'd you think? Liked it. What did I watch? Uh, Indiana Jones, The Dial of Des- uh, Destiny. When's that? Comes out next summer. Indiana Jones how 5. Did, um, how did, uh, what's his face look? Indy? Yeah. He looks good. Right, did you like it? I really did. Uh, I mean, it can't be any worse than Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Okay. That was the fourth one. Is that the one that... Uh, that the- was the Shia LaBeouf one. Oh, God, that was a bad exactly. movie. Exactly. Oh, Big thing about this one is Spielberg not directing it. Shia LaBeouf should have that along with his Wall Street movie and retire. Yes. Yeah. Uh, also, Trailer Drop, what'd you think? That one was good. Yeah? Which one was that? Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Is that a soundtrack? That's the third Guardians of the Galaxy movie. When's that one? That one comes out in the beginning of May. Is Iron Man in that? No. going to be tough to make an appearance. No, this is yo uh, Star Lord, Gamora, Drax, Nebula, Mantis, Groot, okay, all Rocket that, Raccoon. Okay, all that sounds like is tonight's wrestling lineup at the Armory. Okay, uh, that's all that sounds like. I mean, if you watch the movies, you for would the understand. Southern Heavyweight Championship. <laughs> Go ahead. So you didn't watch that one either. I want to get to it. I'm the you know waiting for the flight to take off today. I'll look it up. Got it. All right, trailer drop. What'd you think? I think I'm Bill Murray in Groundhog Day right now. Which one? Transformers, Rise of the Beasts. You know I'm starting to wear in all these superhero things, but go ahead. Uh, this is the one that's got uh, Pete Davidson voicing a Transformer. <laughs> the Autobot Mirage. Who's kicking around that at the table and says, God, get some new blood in here. And someone goes, oh, Pete Davidson. It's like, yeah, can we get him? Uh, it's also got Peter Dinklage as Scourge, the leader of the Terrorcon. Okay, but he's good. <laughs> okay, like he acts. Go ahead. Former Texas head coach Tom Herman was named FAU's Ernie. new head football coach on Thursday. Herman replaces Willie Taggart, who was fired last month after going five and seven this season. Tiger went 15 and 18 in three seasons in Boca, reaching the Montgomery Bowl in 2020, his first season before consecutive Lane five Kippen and seven. Put out a tweet welcoming him. Oh, did he? Well, he put out the first video that he put out, Kippen did when he got hired. I remember that video, yeah. And he posted that and then told Tom Herman he's got a house and a boat if he needs a place down there. Can Herman succeed at FAU? It's a pretty good hire. Um, He's been for FAU. He he was an analyst for the Bears. Um, got a lot of money when Texas parted ways. He was twenty two and four. He was two years at Houston. Um, and I, one, it's a very good hire for FAU. Two, for Tom Herman to get back to a Power Five. I think you try to be successful for two, three years there, and then 
you bounce back and and uh, look for a Power Five job. And for FAU, like it has been uh, before for UCF, if you say, well, you know, a stepping stone. Okay, that's fine. Because if coaches are leaving for other jobs, it likely means they've done a good job at your place. So. Speaking of coaches doing a good job, Liberty has targeted... Like pro football focus. It just let off a bunch of people. I saw it? that. Yeah, it's unfortunate. Uh, Liberty has targeted Coastal Carolina's Jamie Chadwell as uh, to be the school's next head football coach. There's mutual interest, according to sources, but no deal has been struck, nor has Chadwell made a final decision about leaving. And his name has been connected also to South Florida with Deion Sanders, which is connected to Colorado. And in case you're about Liberty, remember, they just offered and gave... You freeze a massive contract. He left to take the job at Auburn. Uh, if you're Jamie Chadwell, and you may somebody said, well, "Why would you go to Liberty?" He's interesting that he's not been able to land a P five job the last couple of years, and he may be he he may be looking at four to five million dollars to coach at Liberty. That's the kind of money that they're throwing mm-hmm. around. Who do you think is going to end up taking the Stanford job? Um, like is that a sought Greg after? Roman. Uh, it's 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 a very interesting vacancy because um, they at the moment are not players in NIL. It's just not who they are. So if you're going to be a football coach that thinks, "Hey, I'm going to get there, go to the Pac-12," and it's a gorgeous campus, there's mm-hmm. nothing wrong with the facilities, um, but it is one of those places that people kind of wonder in the NIL world: Are they going to kind of? get their act together, and um, I mean, we'll see. Greg Roman is the OC for the uh, Ravens, is one name that's been connected. I don't know. And uh, sticking with the Pac-12, I know we haven't really talked about this, but I keep hearing the, the, is it the Board of Regents still have to approve? December 14th, the UCLA, uh, no, the California uh, 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 Board uh, basically punted uh, two weeks ago on a decision for UCLA. There is no decision. Like, they, I mean, they just delayed to get more information. They're not going to block the move. No matter what people think, they're not blocking that move. But they could if they wanted to? They can, and they may try to make UCLA give some of their media money to uh, Cal and the, uh, and the state system there. But, but uh, I mean, they're not going to block it. By the way, the, the, the Pac-12 yesterday proudly bragging that tonight's title game is sold out in Las Vegas. Cool. If you go to Ticketmaster, there's uh-huh. not one section where you can't find seats. Oh. Not one section. Not like, hey, I, you can't sit between the 40s or the 30s. Every section has seats. Like, if you need 10 at the 50, you can go buy them right now. <laughs> uh, last story I got. The Tampa Bay Rays on Thursday made official what had been seemed likely that their 2023 spring training camp will be relocated from Port Charlotte due to damage to the facility caused by Hurricane Ian. How about this? The Rays are considering a couple of options, including Tropicana Field or the Disney Complex, formerly used by the Atlanta Braves. That'd be cool. Right? Yeah. It's, it might like, get larger crowds for a spring training game. I miss having baseball here. Yeah. I miss the days that I used to be able to tell you where every team did spring training, and I can't now. <gasps> that sounds like a fun pop quiz. Well, not today. Well, no, not today, but maybe... In February. Maybe. That's it on the news. Be sure to like, rate, review, and subscribe. Just go there and leave us a five-star rating. This is, of course, a five-star segment. And shout out to all the news heads out there. All.
All of them. You're what make this segment possible. You're what make this show possible. By the way, yesterday. Mm-hmm. When you were stuck at a bank? No, no, after our show, before we had a little meeting, and I went to the kitchen to clean out my uh, little cup here. Yeah. And uh, There was food in there. There was food in there. Yeah. And you partaked in the food. I did, yes. Okay. You did uh, not. I did not. Um, I noticed the... I noticed the plate stackers, man. Oh, yeah. I noticed the plate stackers where it's like, is this a last meal or something here right now? You know? Yeah. Where it's the it's the casual walk in and look over like, oh, there's food. And they take the plate and then I know the trick. You know what the trick is? You hold your plate to the right and you talk to somebody on the left. Mm-hmm. And then you're just piling that thing yep. on. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Yes. Yes, I do. The sales guy? Yes. It was at the end of that. Mm-hmm. Long line. Mm-hmm. He's not listening. Now he doesn't listen to the station. Uh, he should. Uh, we come back. Gary Paris will break down the UCF Tulane Championship game tomorrow. Next. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, David Lee Roth. UCF will try to win its fifth American championship in the 10 years they've played in the league and what will be their final game as a member of the American. I mean, they'll be that in a bowl game, but they'll take on Tulane, and we'll have a coverage beginning at two kick at four. Gary Paris will be sitting next to me back at Yolman Stadium. Morning, Gary. How are you? I'm doing fine, Mark. Good morning to you. Um, All right. What do you remember about the last matchup with Tulane that is going to be significant in tomorrow's game? Well, it was a very competitive ball game. I mean, you had two teams that uh, were fighting to, to to be the top dog in the uh, conference. It was a great game. It was a game where um, the ebb and flow went both up and down, and we were able to hang in there and and uh, win a win a good game. I mean, it was at that time. I think the thing that stood out most for me was our ability to run the ball. At that time, we, uh, you know, that game was probably, I think, what, 330-some-odd yards of rushing. And we didn't have to rely on the passing as much as we, we you would think we need to do. And I just thought that was a fantastic day. The offensive line did a really good job. And and uh, they, they're a good – they were really, really a good team. We beat a very good team that night. Um, John Rice Plumley, uh, last night was on our UCF radio show. Gus Malzahn started the show, and John at the end, uh, he said he's fine. He's ready to play. Gus Malzahn said he practiced. Um, like everybody, you're not 100%. We've seen him leave a couple of games and everything. Um, if he's healthy, uh, clearly Tulane's going to make adjustments, but he, he brings a dynamic that Tulane has to account for. Uh, so to some degree, his health is obviously critical tomorrow, isn't it? Absolutely. I mean, you know, that game alone, he, he, he had rushed over for over 100 yards rushing that game, and uh, uh, he was very impressive, and, and he threw the ball well and he, when we needed to. And, and, again, his impact was what they had to respect, and that allows some other things to happen out there offensively for us. 
And the uh, offensive line, again, played a really, really good game that game and uh, allowed the running backs to have a good uh, good day. And it was just a fun game to watch. But he does bring an impact. You've got to key him or you've got to shut him down some way, somehow. And uh, just when you think you got him is when he comes up with a nice pass play or he will run some kind of a run with uh, Bowser's, put Bowser in a series and let him – go up about to have eight, seven, eight plays during that series, and you pound, pound, pound. And just when you get everybody in, Mark, all of a sudden he reads that on an RPO and takes off and picks up 20, 25 yards for you. He's very talented. I thought interesting last night, he he talked about uh, you know the big run against uh, uh, Tulane and also against South Florida, and he'll tell you, and, and it's not that fans don't understand or can't pick up, but Johnny Richardson going in motion to take a defender out of the box, he that was the difference. That, that all of a sudden it opens up, and the guy that's supposed to be there is not there, and sometimes it's as simple as a guy in motion that you don't think is doing anything in a play that leads to a big score like that. I want to ask you, before I ask you about Tulane, what do you think has stood out defensively in a few of these games for UCF, because the Navy game, to some degree, I mean, they did play much better defense in the second half. You didn't really face a passing team uh, there. But if you're Tulane, what do you take out of UCF's defensive struggles against South Florida that you think you can use? Or do you say, look, fluke game, a lot of bizarre things happen, the turnovers by the UCF offense. But are there concerns on UCF's defense from last week that you think carries over? I think so, and I went back and I watched the game. Things that I saw that I noticed was that our defensive line was making contact with the um, with their offensive linemen, and they couldn't shake the block. They weren't able to get into the gaps. If you can get into that A gap, B gap, and, and you can plug that up right there, you will shut down the running game, and it's got to be something that you do consistently. And the other thing that I noticed was that we were trying to arm tackle. We, we, we're, we're not getting our body wrap-up tackles. You're trying to arm tackle. We had a lot of those. And a lot of that was because we took bad angles. I mean, really, really took bad angles. When you got a guy like Batty that can run like he can run, and you start taking – you take the wrong angle, he's by you. I mean, he's gone. And uh, those are the things that – I'm sure Coach Williams will work on this whole week is to, if I could see it as a, you know, I know that they can, those coaches are, are seeing it and they're seeing the things that they need to improve on. And that's, that'll help that defense immensely if they just take better angles, shake their blocks, and, uh, and fill the gaps. Ty J. Spears was the Americans' Offensive Player of the Year. Uh, he ran it 36 times last week in Cincinnati. Uh, he had a big 70-yard run against UCF. Michael Pratt's very good quarterback. They've got seven different guys that have 20 or more catches. So uh, the offense for Tulane uh, is pretty good. What's important, as you pl- just mentioned about that night defense, how do you contain Spears? Well, you've got to, t- first of all, Mark, you've got to be able to, you got to set your edges. You, you're going to gap control. We talked about gap control. You've got to control the gaps. Then you've got to set your edges. You can't allow him to be able to bounce outside. If he's going to do anything, you've got to make him come inside, and that's your uh, the responsibility, again, is the linebackers or the safeties to come up 
and support to the inside. But you've got to set your outside edges. And if you think that, and, and again, with Pratt as a quarterback, his ability to run and throw those RPOs, he makes it very challenging. But that's one thing we need to do against uh, Spears is that we must contain him, so we got to set the edges a lot better. Now, all that's easy to see and say on paper, but that young man's a very talented, very talented running back, and he makes it difficult. But that's some of the things that I saw on the film that I thought that Coach Williams will probably try again, try to do. Um, all the second time playing somebody, you got to beat him again, it's at their place, all that. I mean, do you think those are factors? Is there more pressure on Tulane because they're at home? And even though outside of Sam Jackson, it's not like there's a bunch of Knights that played in the Peach Bowl on this team, but is there more pressure on Tulane, or is that not a factor, you think, for tomorrow? I, I think it's I think it's tougher um, to play a team like in three weeks in, and play them twice. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? You you it's it's trying to duplicate what you did before and trying to have that kind of success. They're going to try to fix their uh, things they did wrong against you and to make it a little tougher. But here mentally, I always knew if I played a team and I beat them. You know, I really thought I could do it again. When I was, we played the NFL, we were in our conferences. You played a team twice a year. So, you know, you, you had to, to me, you got a mental advantage if you've won, and you've won there, too. We're going back to their field. We won there. So we know how to win on the road there. And, um, and I thought we had a great game plan. I look for more of that, again, the discontaining spirit. And offensively, one thing Pumley will have to do, Mark, in my opinion, is that he wants to run. We're going to establish the run, and that's so important. Our offensive line has got to play physical, and they've got to continue to dominate that line. But we also have got to get some mid-level passes for you get those for those completions because those safeties, if you do not throw the ball mid-level, and that is what I'm talking about, that 15, 20 yards are like that pass we threw Baker last week in the 41 yards. That one was – those guys were cheated up. And, and and you saw the quarterback throw the ball to Baker, made a fantastic catch, but he was behind the the the, uh, the, the backers and all, and there wasn't a defender just to the outside and inside of him. And that's it. That was beating that level. You're going to have to create some of those kind of passes so that those safeties – don't come flying up all the time. Uh, be safe driving. I'll see you in about 45 minutes. Okay, Mark. Thank you. Gary Paris, uh, some inside the UCF and uh, Tulane matchup. Um, yeah, how many times have you had to go back to a football stadium twice in a year? Uh, I, uh, Tulsa, the year that we lost to Tulsa in the championship game. Oh, that's right. Yeah. But that... Pretty sure that was the case. Um and it's the first time, though, it's been within a month. <laughs> this is the second time UCF has played a conference championship game on the road. Mm-hmm. They've won everyone that's been at home, lost at Tulsa in a conference title game, and now we'll try to win one uh, tomorrow in New Orleans. Um, I'm going back to New Orleans two more times. I got basketball and baseball. Be four trips to the city yeah. in the athletic year. So I like New Orleans. Get in, do your thing, and kind of get out. Get some coffee. Uh, you know, if if tomorrow 
works out, little beignets and a little Cafe Du Monde. It'll be nice in the morning before the head uh, before the trip over to the stadium. Um, again, 2 o'clock pregame, 4 o'clock uh, kick tomorrow for UCF and Tulane. There is, by the way, Pac-12 championship game is tonight in Las Vegas, Utah and USC. Is it on the Pac-12 network or is this on a network? It'll be on Fox. Oh, okay, so people can see it. And and the interesting thing about this is, even though I made the argument this week, I don't know how you could do this. The four teams, the top four right now in the college football playoff rankings, they do not play anybody that's ranked five, six, seven, or eight. If somebody loses and you want to move somebody up, then you're penalizing a team because they qualified for their conference title game and rewarding somebody who didn't. However, I do believe that if USC loses tonight, and it could be by one point, again, how, how will the game be played? I I do think the committee will move Ohio State up if USC loses tonight. You think it's Ohio I'm State? not saying I would, but I do think they will. What? You don't think there's any chance Alabama? I think it takes a second loss, and then I think it's got to be TCU in a very lopsided game. That one's a little bit tougher. But I do think if USC loses, the committee will do that. I'm not saying they should, because I do believe that there should be a value to how you judge the the, the teams on a 12-game schedule. And the committee's already told you these four are better than everybody else. Yeah, but the game has to count. You're going to penalize somebody because they qualified for the conference championship game. I saw some people like, well, USC didn't win a division. I'm not talking about that. Conferences did away with divisions. It's fine. They may. They qualified for a conference championship game. If your team didn't, why should they be rewarded? More than the beat of sports next. Friday, Kenny Loggins. bit of sports uh, media news uh, yesterday. Yeah. Well, Krista Berfalika mm-hmm. leaving ESPN. Tomorrow apparently is his final game day. Headed to Big Noon Kickoff on Fox. Yeah. Uh, start doing some uh, gambling shows over there. And uh, <clears throat> industry sources, Scott. Mm-hmm. Tell me the Bears more than doubling his salary. Good for him. And more opportunities to expand his brand. Yeah. So he'll be leaving uh, game day. Some now wonder, will they do something to honor him tomorrow or not bring it up since he's going to Fox? I won't bring it up. Hmm? Oh, here we go. Here we go. Excuses are being made. About what? Uh, Netherlands manager and Manchester United legendary manager Louis van Gaal 
revealed today that a little a, bit loose and the legendary. I know. Uh, revealed that a number of his players are dealing with flu-like symptoms. Not my problem. Exactly. Exactly. Hey, your boys can't take care of themselves. That's a you problem. That ain't a that ain't a red, white, and blue problem. Okay. It don't matter. All I know is final whistle tomorrow. We got more digits and goals than you do. Okay. 10 a.m. tomorrow, U.S. Netherlands. Win out of the quarterfinals. Play the winner of Argentina and Australia. Um, so tomorrow, with Christian Pulisic, who will play? The Americans will try to get to the quarterfinals. And despite whatever Scott just I still think the U.S. is going to need multiple goals tomorrow. I think one goal will not win tomorrow's match. Um, this is not a great Netherlands team, but it is a team that still, I think, can put um, a couple goals on the board, and uh, you may have to win one of those 3-2 games, and maybe 2-1, but uh, we'll see what happens uh, tomorrow for uh, the U.S. I think the 10 o'clock start will help. I think there'll be a good TV audience before uh, any college football uh, tomorrow. But a great moment for the U.S., uh, whatever the Netherlands may say about the status of their team, uh, it's a great spot for the U.S. squad. And uh, 10 a.m., a lot of hype. Hopefully a good match. So tomorrow, U.S.-Netherlands, uh, 10 o'clock, and the round of 16 today is the final day of group play with a few scenarios uh, in place. And, uh, yes, Mexico and Germany, uh, two of the biggest brands that will not be advancing to the round of 16. Germany, despite a 4-2 win yesterday, does not uh, advance. Let's uh, talk to Kurt from Maxine's on Shine. Good morning. How are you? I am doing pretty doggone good, my friend. And first and foremost, let me start off by saying congratulations on your fantasy football victory uh, over me this week. I didn't say know. anything. I didn't say anything. I, I, I didn't. I know because that's the gentleman that I am. And, you know, due to Josh Holly Jolly Jacobs and his 50-point romp, you know, you, you, you did get that. I'm not bitter at all about it. No, not at all. But I just thought I'd... I'd it was a good match. So 98, it was a good match. 98-96. Uh, you're still yeah, in a yeah. better position than me. And I will say this as a yeah. compliment to our league. Talk about how tightly everybody is bunched. Now, the rest of the audience has no idea what we're talking about. But, I mean, everybody, for the most part, I think, except maybe one team is still... Is still alive for a playoff spot. So that's fun. That's correct. Yeah. yeah, it's like three teams in each division are yeah. right there. You know, within a few points of each other. So yeah, good stuff. All right, what's All happening at Maxine's on show? Let's get to the important stuff. What's well, going on? Well, yeah, let's do that. Let's let's get right at it. So uh, again, obviously, you know, absolutely beautiful weather. Everybody out there want to continue to invite you to come out, whether you want to enjoy inside or outside dining at the islands of dining that are going on. And by the way, everyone, we did get full approval to move forward. So coming soon after the holiday season, going to be building a permanent outdoor pavilion area. It's going to be awesome, Mark. Absolutely beautiful. I saw the final plans on it the other day and just working on getting some things lined up. So that'll be coming after the new year. But right now, great weather. Come on out, whether it's inside or outside, doesn't matter. Rejuvenation brunch going on uh, at this very moment as we're speaking. So if you want to get, you know, you're getting out there and you're doing that shopping thing, you're breaking out of the office early, you know, don't go, don't hustle bustle for lunch. Come see us for Rejuvenation brunch. We'll help power you up for those. 
critical credit card decisions that you're going to be making on what you're spending your money on and who you're buying things for while you're having some chicken and waffles with sausage gravy or a big giant mimosa. Right now we're doing honey crisp apple as our seasonal. It is Ooh. really delicious, Mark. I mean, if you had the queen, you and the queen were in, I'd, I'd be sending one over to your table. I'm telling you right now, it's really nice. Perfect holiday kind of uh, drink to have going on. And of course, all weekend, you know, we got uh, we got our uh, beautiful dinner, our award-winning dinner uh, feature that is back. So the Asabuco is now done, but we brought back for the holiday season our duck. Mm, 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 mm. Roasted half duck, Chef George's old school French countryside style with that. Going to do a beautiful cherry sauce all over it. We started it last night. People are going crazy like, oh, my goodness, where has it been? Well, you know, we can only do so many features at a time, everybody. But when we bring them on, you know, Chef George is making sure that it's being done right. So that is back on the menu uh, throughout the holiday season. Uh, this weekend, uh, if I could, actually tonight, we're going to be providing the food for the VIP opening of A Christmas Carol at Orlando Shakes. Yeah. Yes, well, you know, brother, we we like to get a little fancy, schmancy, you know, and get out in that art scene from time to time. But what it does mean is uh, whether you're coming to that performance or not, a Christmas Carol is going to be running at Orlando Shakes throughout the entire month, and we're putting together for anybody that goes to the show, we're bringing back basically our Bite 30 menu, a three-course price fix menu. So if you're going to the show, you come before the show, show us your ticket, you can get a beautiful three-course meal for 30 bucks a person, help that back pocket out during the holiday shopping season and then helping to support everybody all the way around also right now too and i always like to talk about charities markets that time of the year it's all about community and that's what we like to be uh for for everybody uh i've got a local legend dj dizzle funk have you ever have you ever gone to a dizzle funk show mark i can't say i have but it sounds funky it, it is it's is funky. It is funky time. I bet Scott's yeah. probably seen Dizzle Funk at some point. Uh, anyway, so he does a shoe drive every year to help out people uh, that, that are in need, homeless folks, people at shelters, that kind of thing. Anybody that has some shoes that you're no longer going to use, maybe you're getting, you know, daddy or mama's getting a new set of shoes for the holiday season, you're going to clear out your closet. We've got a box sitting right outside of our restaurant on our stage. Please come by and drop those off so that we can help out some people that really could use it. Also, this very Sunday, special edition of Sunday Morning coming down live. We're going to open up an hour early at 9 a.m. Uh, Joseph Morton's Sunday Morning coming down live of 104.1. Going to be come out and doing the show live. It also happens to be uh, my birthday. Uh, anyway, and so what? we're going to have a special. Uh, yeah, I know a little. It wasn't really meant to be a plug, but oh, by the way, I will be behind the bar, and I love to make drinks on my birthday. I love to see people. That's the best gift that I get year-round, day-to-day, is seeing all of you wonderful people coming out, celebrating the passions of life, coming into Maxine's on Shine, family, friends, that kind of thing. So we're going to do a live show from 9 until 1. Going to have big, big fun going on with that. And uh, it helps lead us into the holiday season. And then coming up very soon, only a few tickets left, Bad Santa and the Angry Elves. This year, it's a very Bowie Christmas, a tribute to David Bowie, going to be on December 11th at Maxine's. Only got about 10 seats left, y'all. Three-course meal, rock club, rock, super rock club, supper club kind of extravaganza going on. So all kinds of good stuff. 
Don't forget to think about us for your holiday parties, whether it be four people or 40 or maybe even 100. And uh, the easiest way to get a hold of us is to go online to MaxinesOnShine.com. Right there on the homepage, you can click on the Book a Table tab, look for the times and tables that are available for you. Or if you want to contact us about a special event, Danny, our special event manager, be happy to respond to your emails, check out the menus, entertainment lineups, all that kind of stuff. The main thing is, Everybody, let's all let's all celebrate the blessings of life together. Celebrate those and those that don't have them. Pick each other up where you can, and that's what I got to say, my man. Okay. Have a wonderful weekend. A very happy birthday, man. All right. Thank you, brother. Peace. Kurt from Maxine's on Shine. Back to wrap up the Friday show next. Time for the latest news, gossip, trends, and off the wall stories. Trends. Ooh, that's the craziest thing I've ever heard. Drama at the World Cup or another. Big name is in trouble. Uh, Uruguay leading Ghana 2-0, but they need a goal. Because right now they would not advance, and South Korea would be the uh, runner-up to Portugal in Group H. This is the final day of group play, and despite leading 2-0, again, Uruguay loses on (laughs) tiebreak and needs a goal in what is the 95th minute of what is said to be eight additional minutes, but I think they'll go to 38 minutes. Um, but, yeah, now you're looking at Mexico, Germany, and if Uruguay does not score, they would be another one of the uh, bigger names in this World Cup to not advance. So, yeah. Uh, what do you got for the weekend, real quick? Uh, watching some World Cup, man. Uh, what I got, yeah. Uh, have a nice weekend. If you're going out to high school football tonight, be smart and be safe uh, uh, out there. And uh, have a lot to talk about on Monday, either A, be really good news for UCF and if it's good news, that means they're playing in the Cotton Bowl, and it might even be against Josh Heupel in Tennessee. If they're playing another bowl game, it'll be hard to get you excited about that one. But enjoy your football week, and always end the week telling you to do something kind for someone who doesn't expect it. they able to appreciate it. You feel good about yourself, and it's easy to be kind. Have a nice weekend. Scott produced on Mark Daniels, the Beat of Sports.